Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Daily Fathers Podcast. We are your hosts, Joe Winters Jr., Tony Applewhite, and Jacoby Carvin. How are we doing today, fellas? Off top of the morning to you, Joe, and I'm doing great, man. Glad to hear. Yeah, I'm good. Glad to hear. So today we're talking about what a positive relationship or positive co-parenting relationship um, looks like, right? Woo! Yeah, yeah. This is a, I think this is a really fire conversation because um, I think there is a lot of toxic in co-parenting relationships where the two individuals that have conceived a child are no longer together, you mm. know? Um, and, and it seems like, and, and, I, and I personally believe that for some strange reason, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always felt like it kind of starts in the relationship. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that because I think it's from lack of communication. Like part of me is like, okay, let me ask y'all this. When, when two people have conceived a child, and they go on to no longer be in a relationship, but obviously they have to still co-parent. What do y'all think are the chances of those two individuals actually speaking about what they think co-parenting should look like after the relationship, if it doesn't work, while in the relationship? Mm. So, I think it's very likely that they are actually- um, Very likely. Very likely because they're not gonna really talk if they didn't really talk in the first place in a relationship about really deep conversation, they're not gonna really know anything how to co-parent. So so so, talk so, about. so so you believe we we probably should I think we should run a survey on this for our listeners. We probably damn yeah, right, man. This is a deep conversation. Facts, facts. We probably need to create like a survey or something for this. But so Jacoby, what you're saying is you believe that okay, if we took 10, 10 couples who have all conceived a child that more than half of them actually spoke about what they think co-parenting in a failed relationship looks like before the relationship failed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say even couples, Joe, I want to say just people who had sex, either like one night stand, this included, um, or even they tried to uh, get in a relationship and they failed that and they still had a child. Um, even, I feel like also people who are married as well don't talk about this sometimes about how like the things they want to have for their child. Oh wait, wait, wait! wait. You, you, said, you said you don't think they talk about it. No. Oh, okay. Oh, well, we're on the same page. I agree with that. I thought you were saying you thought they did talk about it. No, I don't. I don't think they talk about this at all. I didn't talk about that. I have two BMs, two baby mamas. I, I didn't talk about this with my first one at all. Yeah. Uh, everything popped up like how to raise a child and everything. So this is actually personal for me. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. stuff to say. <laughs> yeah, facts, facts. Which and, and and I'm glad I'm glad you do. And and that's why I kind of want to stick on this piece for a little bit because I've always felt like, man, I think that's the important conversation to have while in a relationship, just in case the relationship doesn't work. hundred percent. hundred percent. Does that but make I sense? I don't think I think I think realistically, like you, we don't think about it, you know, being in that relationship. I don't, I don't think we, we're not like, that's not at the forefront of our mind to say, Hey, let's, let's talk about this before, before this happens or, Oh, you're pregnant right now. Let's, let's go ahead and go through these scenarios. You know? Now, let me ask you this. Now, let me ask you this though. Well, before I even say, let me ask you this. I think we begin having a different conversation when we say that, because even that in itself, it's like, 
does that say something about the lack of conversation in regards to our beliefs, our values, and things of that nature while dating someone or before dating that person? It does because when, my, when I had my kids, my mom, one of my questions that my mother asked or anyone asked, like, what did y'all talk about? She always asked that and put emphasis on it. Like, what did y'all talk about? Because it's so much more in it. Like, you're in the big boy shit or some grown adult shit when right. you're having sex. And you know the repercussions. Facts. Like, you know the repercussions. And if you didn't talk about this, um, anything pretty much like, so what y'all talk about? It's kid shit pretty much. Yeah, facts. Fact, no, fact, and no, to, yeah, I mean, when you look at it, it's like, man, okay, so for the, for the listener at home, I, I, I want to ask you this question for the listener at home. Quick second. For the um, individual that is your significant other now or the individual that you're interested in, have you actually taken the time to sit back and y'all both sit down and thoroughly talk about the things you believe in and the things that um, you stand for, like your values and your beliefs? You know, mm -hmm. and then not only that, but across the important aspects of our lives. So parenting is one of them, right? Like I could say when me and Marissa got to a point where we knew we were having a chat. Well, firstly, we had briefly spoke about some things before ever having a chat on what we felt like um, life would be like when having a child. But I know once we had a child, I was very adamant about us conversating in regards to what co-parenting looks like, even if our relationship doesn't work, because we have to take into account that our child could possibly be in two different places for holidays. We have to take into account if we even want our child to experience being in two different places for holidays. What if we want our child to be in the same place for holidays every year in which, you know, I've seen some families do it and it's awesome. And I've seen some people that they're like, F no, I refuse to, you know, spend this, holiday with my ex just for the sake of my child and you know i think those things matter especially when you're choosing somebody to have a child with what do y'all think about that yeah so let me ask you let me ask you this so you you've had that conversation 100%. you actually had that you had that conversation before your daughter was born um we so no i can't say we had the conversation before she was born but i can okay. say that once we knew um or i can't even say once we knew that she so our phase was was before we ever even knew that we had a child period so just in the dating phase we would talk about what we believed parenting looked like mm -hmm. once we knew we had a child we moved to the phase of okay what is our life and parenting going to look like these first two years and three years and then once ida was actually here we did begin also having the conversations of okay if we didn't work for whatever reason, how would co-parenting look like moving forward? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think just from my, my viewpoint, I think what the way I see it is a lot of people actually go into the relationship and the only thing that they talk about probably to the extent is how they were raised. Yeah. And maybe they go into some of their beliefs of how a child should be raised but they don't ever compare and contrast and said, well, if we were to have a kid together, how do you feel if we raise our kid this way, you know, or how do you feel if we do this? And going back to even our last topic, you know, about spankings, you know, 
that's probably something that we should probably be talking about probably way before most definitely that child comes out you know and i failed to realize that in my in my first marriage you know i didn't there's a lot of stuff that we didn't talk about yeah and i'm glad that you brought that up because i was just about to use that as an example because i remember that example that you uh use about like Mm -hmm. discipline the fact Mm -hmm. that some people have like these notions where you don't want they don't want to spank their children and something like and that could be like a nail in the coffin to end that relationship to not go through it because you're going to have that turmoil of different you know beliefs and values mm-hmm. a lot of stuff like uh we said i said earlier that people do not talk about it. and unfortunately once you have a child you are forced to to like, like all your values have to be put out there and you have to nice. test it facts and it's going to like with my one of my bms communication is a horrible thing with us and it's not on my part i'm gonna put it out there like and you will expect it. it's not you expect it to be me but nah my g is hurt <laughs> hey so jacoby let me ask you this so because you guys didn't discuss all these um these topics about parenting do you feel as though you have a negative co-parenting like going on right now just because those um, things weren't put on the table um well, I would say that I'm being, uh, I like to be proactive, like Joe had mentioned to me, um, but I've been reactive since we, we didn't talk about having the child. Um, it's been good. I've been the best reactive person with it. Um, it can be better. Yeah. And I see like little things that really piss me off, like um, communication skills um, and how, you know, I, when I, if I put something out respected like an adult um, and so that she can fix it, she doesn't really take that in well. Mm. Um, and so she'll deflect from that and everything and just, you know, what what you did and everything. I'm like, no, nah, we, we're not talking about it. You messed up in the situation. So that's not positive co-parenting to me. That's really toxic and how um, people, the communication is bad on her part. Can we define what negative co-parenting means? Um, so that way we're all- Okay, for me, if I had to, to explain what a negative co-parenting, I would say it's the opposite of like cooperating with each other, you Mm -hmm. know, to raise this kid. And that's just point blank. You know, there's, there's no cooperation uh, between you two um, in raising uh, your, your, your kid, your your child, you know? Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to kind of add to one thing I've realized to be something that's detrimental in co-parenting and will lead co-parenting to be negative. Cause firstly, I do agree with that. I think, negative co-parenting is the moment two parties are just kind of like screw the other person or at least one of them feels that way about the other person so there's resistance and because mm-hmm. of that now the child is going to be affected by that and i've learned that one of the key components in that and it's it's sad but it's the truth and it's not the case with everybody so hear me say that but it is the case i believe with most people is that the moment two individuals are no longer together but they now have to co-parent a child although they're not in a relationship, it seems as if people's family or people from within the family will do the whole divide and conquer thing. So you also begin to have auntie over here or uncle or mother or whoever just on some like, you know, no, they should be doing X, Y, Z. No, they should be doing this. No, they should be doing that. No, they should be understanding of this. It's almost as if um, because the relationship didn't work, now both people's family has an active role in the in the relationship and 
you know, I, I kind of feel like truthfully, a positive co-parenting relationship will be two people, although they are no longer in a relationship, they're still very understanding and agreed on the fact that that co-parenting relationship doesn't really involve anyone else. Like there are other people that are related. Yeah. But like, you don't really have the moral ground to be trying to call the shots. No. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, Most I don't think, I don't think that those people should have been involved, even if you guys were together. You Facts. Know? And a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people like to like to go outside of their, their little circle right there. And then they listen to those people and that's what screws up relationships. But let me ask you this, Joe. So true or false, um, women who have a positive relationship with the father also are most likely to have a positive co-parenting. Yes, uh, true. Okay. I think that's true. I think it's true. And Jacoby, let me throw that same thing at you. Answer one more, ask it one more time. All right. So a woman who has a positive relationship with the father also is more likely to have positive co-parenting. I'd say, fuck yes. <laughs> I know I love that. Like, um, so um, I'm sorry to use this vulgar language for yeah. our audience, but I'll say yeah. fuck yes again. Yeah. And 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 I feel I feel that I feel that passion behind it too. And the reason why is because uh -huh. at least in the African American community, and and before I go on to say it, let me throw this on the table. Yes, there is a lot of deadbeat fathers. All right, we got it, we get it. But in the African-American community, there are most certainly phenomenal fathers who are treated poorly by the mother of their child. And it's just kind of like, well, if you if you found it in your heart to cooperate or, or not even cooperate as if she has to do what he wants, but if you found it in your heart to say, okay, let's get on the same page and have a good relationship with the father, there's a great chance that the co-parenting experience and relationship is going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. they have a notion. Well, I wouldn't say just African-American community, Joe. I want to broaden this out to just any community and culture because women do this. A lot, excuse me, I might want to generalize, but a lot of women do this. Not every woman, but a lot of women do this. They have this mentality where the mother knows best and that brings toxic into the cope, the parents right. system right. and they don't understand like they put their values and beliefs Facts. Uh, before the fathers. Facts. Um, and I you think know, it's bullshit. You know, and, and I, I agree there because don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there isn't mothers out here that they don't know what's best for their child because if they're dealing with a DB father, then clearly they do. But I hate when I, I you know, I, I do hear other women say that. And I'm like, well, you're saying that as if there isn't mothers who aren't deadbeat mothers either. You're saying that as if there isn't males out here that's literally doing everything for their child while the mother isn't doing anything or the mother has big facts for their child. And this isn't this episode by all means. It's not a it's not a way to attack either side, right? There's yeah, good we're not here to bash. Here. Yeah, facts. We're not here to bash. There's there's good people and bad people. There's good parenting, bad parenting. There's good fathers, horrible fathers, and there's good mothers and horrible mothers. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things where it's like, we got to stop, you know, bringing that toxic um, concept of simply mothers know best. I mean, I know that there is a good intention there, but it's most definitely toxic in the same sense. Most I most definitely. You're putting them on a pedestal where like if we talk about them, then it's like, we're talking about a God or something like it doesn't make any sense. Facts. Mm -hmm.
Right. Now, do you think you think that comes from like competent, like I guess incompetent fathers, like not knowing how to change diapers, not knowing how to cook, not knowing how to clean house? Uh, they might have relied on mom to do all these things, and they they never learn how to I, do these things. I think that it is a so I think that it's a combination between that and the inability to be wise when you're measuring someone's character. What I mean by that, if you are dealing with a male, or if you're dealing with a man, or if you're dealing with a woman who is a respectful parent, they are wanting to cooperate and be on the same page and co-parent, any experience you have or knowledge you have of people dropping the ball when it comes to parenthood previous to that person, you gotta get rid of it because it's irrelevant to them. And I think mm -hmm. what the average person do is, well, because they watch their father be incompetent, they think the man that they're dating is incompetent. Or mm -hmm. um, I've seen some people because they see that, you know, their sisters or their mothers kind of was out doing their thing, they just assume that all women are going to be that same way. And it's one of those things where it's like, look, like your previous experience, this is where we go to those neuro associations, right? Your previous experiences with people fumbling and dropping the ball when it comes to a particular area, those experiences are valid. But the moment the person you're dealing with does not represent what you're used to is the moment you gotta let what you're used to go. Like, does that, am I making sense here? Yeah, that doesn't dictate like what that person's gonna do. It, exactly. It, it has nothing to do with it. Now it's good to have um, those past experiences so you can recognize it. Right. But don't don't automatically assume that that person's going to be the same exact. And I kind of fall victim of that, too, a lot of the times, because my mom, like, man, I, I love my mom to death, you know, and she was just a superwoman. And sometimes I throw those expectations on my wife, you know, thinking that she's going to do uh, go above and beyond and do certain things, you know, and I think that's what it all boils down to is expecting and even expecting like what you're saying in a negative facet where they expect a man not to cook. They expect a man not to do this, you know? Yeah. And, and it goes the, the opposite way. You know, we, as a, as a man, oh, I expect her to be in the kitchen with her, her shoes off, cooking meals, doing this, changing the diapers, you know? And, and that's not right. That's not yeah. right to throw those expectations on people. So Thanks. I got you. I got you. And I believe, like, being a man, you should also step up and do the same things in the household. Besides, uh, not take the trash out. Like, just do what you got to do. Like, step up and raise your your children. Because there's a lot of there's actually a lot of single dads who have full custody out here in East Texas, um, and they take 100% ownership of their kids. They do everything. Like, I have joint custody, and I take I do everything for my kids when they over here. And, uh, and that, I think that's why the topic is co-parenting. You know, right. so that means like we're we're taking on. Um, a role of both like we're, we're we're a team basically you know we're a team i feel like you need to we need to as men redefine that role that we just pay bills and provide shelter we need to also step up and do a lot more educationally um in the community for our kids and everything and actually put more effort into raising kids our kids, mm -hmm. children so I, I like that you said that we need to redefine that role let's redefine that role right now
here on Daily Fathers, let's redefine what that what we believe that role is, whether that's individually or whether that's we, where we come to an agreement. And you as a listener, you can also redefine that role as well based on what you're hearing right now. Um, because I agree with you. I think that we do need to redefine that role of, you know, oh, we only do this and we only do that. So I'm going to tell you what my golden rule for being a man is in the household. You ready for it? Whatever. It is. What, whatever you expect you can fucking produce whatever whatever you expect you can produce so now here's the reality if you're expecting it and you're producing it then i personally feel like there's no nobody can say nothing to you when you're like hey can you can you can you make dinner tonight why because you cook too you 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 produce what you expect yeah so, I mean, you're, you can't come off as hypocritical or somebody that's lazy or somebody that's manipulative or somebody that's, you know, selfish. You're producing what you expect. Therefore, if you ask me, you can, you know, in return, not expect it, but at least ask for it without coming off like um, a boy. Right. So that's yeah, and, it, rule. and it doesn't it doesn't come off like an argument too. like just from my experience, you know, when I do ask like my wife um to do something you know if if it's just something that i don't do you know then that's it's going to be an argument you know um if it's something that she knows i do or i'm willing to do or i've done it in the past you know it's just might be an off day for me you know she's willing to do it you know and there's no argument on it but if it's like oh uh can you go change the diaper you know um and, and, you know, I'm willing to like, and I, I could do it, you know, like then it's, then it's like, well, why don't you do that? You know? Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, it comes off both ways. So, you know, one thing I, I had struggled with for a period of time that got me to really see that I needed to kick it into gear was cooking. Um, you know, I'm currently in the process right now of shredding fat. I came into 2020 with the goal of losing 50 pounds of fat. I'm currently 45 pounds down. I don't know if it's all fat, but I am 45 pounds down. It was 288. I'm now two. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. I was 288 now, 243. So I'm feeling good, looking good, performing good. However, um, in that process, there would be times where like I would get on to Marissa about cooking stuff outside my diet. And I would be like, I told you not to cook this. Don't cook this. And I, and I kept, and I kept saying that. And then, but the hindsight and the reality of it is like, Joe, fucking cook it yourself. Then. <laughs> you know, at least that's yeah. like, I got to that point where I'm like, okay, Joe, like cook it yourself. Cause it's one of those things where it's like, man, if I'm continuously telling you that I don't like something that I'm not doing at all, the problem is with myself. It's not with you. Big facts. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, man. So, you know, I don't get me wrong. I, I, I whipped out a, I literally dedicated a, a, a journal to meals so the first meal that i looked up and that i've been cooking every single day for like the last 30 days now well not every single day but over the last 30 days 40 days or so is tilapia really did my best to to master that one because i know tilapia is a, a big part of the diet now i'm moving on to salmon um you know and next i'm gonna be moving on to some other things but i've I, i've kind of realized that like for me that's where i slipped up at was in the kitchen you hey know? that's a good now, that's really good leadership feel- on your part yeah, yeah, good shit on your part. All right, hey, so do you feel that now that you've gotten in there and you've uh, you started cooking for yourself, do you feel like she's more willing to to actually like cook that stuff for you? 
Oh, 100%. And, and, the, okay. and, the, and you want me to tell you what's the, the, the amazing part is like, now that I've created a habit of doing it, she's like looking to do it. And I'm like, oh, no, I got it. You know yeah. why? Because you're building up the expectations for yourself. So anyone coming into your life or in your life, they have to then return it for you. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm doing for myself as a single man, knowing that whoever comes in my household and I get married to, if I build up the expectation, okay, I do like my own dishes and everything. Okay, they going to step up and do it, do it too. Yeah. Like I clean my own house. I, I, I cook as well. I do healthy meals. I'm trying to do healthy meals. Let me put that out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do. I try to do healthy meals. So they have to come in my house either to do better or also do as much. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're setting the expectations by being the example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leading from the front, which is very. Yeah, that's redefining like who I am as a person and who I am like as a man, uh, the, the role as a man. I'm trying to be the head of a house and find a woman that's going to be the neck of that. Now, let's right. let, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say uh, that, that's <laughs> a really great topic that you bring up there. Head of the house. Let's talk about what being head of the house looks like in a co-parenting relationship that's not working. Or, or I'm sorry, where the, the individuals are separate, right? Like, is there still a such thing as head of the house? Mm, to me, I that's feel because I'm, yeah, that is a tricky one because I'm in that right now. You know, mm. I have my older son who lives with his mom. And I feel like there's, there's like a, a split of head of house, you know, yeah. like she got her head of house. I got my head of house, but also she does communicate with me if there's something like, um, like detrimental to my son and she needs my opinion on it. Like she does consult with me. So I don't know if that makes me like head of her house as well. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a tricky one because she will, she will consult with me if it's something like that's out of her hands and she needs maybe Can you give us an example of um, what she consults you about. Cause in my mind, I'm not trying to disagree with you, Tony, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking like, Oh, I'm not trying to offend you, but I'm going to disagree with you that you're the head of her house over there. You're just a co-parent and that she knows you're a father and that she can reach out to you for the mm-hmm. best example. Well, at any case, when, when my son is acting out, and, and maybe you're right with this. Um, when he's acting out um, in any kind of way or disrespecting her, she will call me, um, basically voice like what he's done yeah. and, and ask me like her opinion of what, you, like, what we think that we should do, maybe the type of punishment, the, the type of um, discipline that we need to actually um, invoke in him, anything like that. And so I feel like she she does communicate that with me, not all the time. And so I think that's what makes me not head of the house of her house is because it's not all the time. And it's only like when it gets to a certain extreme where she can't handle it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I actually do like that y'all have that communication, Tony. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've. I know I've said that before, but I, I actually do like that communication where yeah, I, she I had to, work. to get that consultant. Yeah, I had to work on it though. You yeah, know? Most definitely. Yeah, it's been a lot of work, a lot of years put in and and just being consistent too. I think uh, as a father, we have to be consistent with, with not only our kids, um, if they don't live in the house, but also the mother of our child, you know, and c- communicating, like it's almost like we have to communicate with them in order to receive that communication. Most definitely. Now, I don't believe, like, I'm the head of the house over here, over there, but she's, both of my BMs are, are like, they're open. I'm always open to, you know, 
help them out pretty much whenever I can. I believe since I'm a father and I have two sons, like eventually they're going to have to live, come and live with me so that I can mentor them, uh, shape them up into be better men than me. Um, now I'm gonna always be like a, 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 I wouldn't say a bigger figure than them, but I know eventually when you become of age, like when around your teens, they're gonna need their fathers more in their lives so they can, you know, don't get to the streets, um, don't make stupid decisions. Like they need something active to do. And I know like most women don't know how to do that besides sports. And mm-hmm. even if they are in sports, they can still fall off the deep ends and do some stupid shit. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think I, I still need to intervene or still need to be play a heavier role than them. But in my household, whoever I marry, I'm going to be the head of the household and be a leader for my family. So let's let's change the terminology slightly then, because I'm I'm seeing where y'all are most definitely going there, especially when we're talking about head of the household. But what about head of the family, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I think that's slightly different. And I kind mm-hmm. of after just hearing y'all speak, part of me is. I kind of got to thinking, I'm like, man, how much do our judicial system kind of deprives men of their ability to be a leader in co-parenting relationships that, you know, where the two people in the relationship didn't work? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Um, and I think that that plays- now, Did you say tr- uh, traditional system or judicial system? I don't know. Judicial. Judicial. judicial? Yeah. Okay. And I think it, and I think it interferes like tremendously, you know, especially with those who lose their um, parental rights, mm-hmm. you know, and then the the mother of the child isn't is like a very negative person, and they yeah. want to take control, and then therefore the father has no no say in in what that kid's gonna do, um, yeah. what she's gonna do, you know. And I think that 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 really plays like a tremendous role when yeah. when the when the law gets involved, you know. Yeah, most definitely. It does suck to be like a non-custodial parent and a woman is a custodial parent, and you can only mm-hmm. see your your son or child your child like two two times a month. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrible. And you, so you can't really have an influence until they get older, if they yeah. even seek you out, if they don't have no hate for you mm-hmm. or no no anything for you, anything like that. But I think that goes back to like having a, a good relationship with the mother of your child too, because if you can, yeah. I'm, yeah, if you can, because so where I does actually, it really start then? Where, where does it really start? Does it start in y'all's relationship? With I think, I think or, or it, where does it start? It starts think, when you pick out the first, the, the, the woman that you can have a child with. That's where it starts. I'm putting more ownership on the man because he chooses the woman he has sex with. He mm-hmm. chooses the woman he, like he he reproduces with, so it's more ownership on him. He yeah. has to choose the right woman that he can co-parent with instead mm-hmm. of just laying down with these hoes. Be straight up. Hey, I agree. I agree with Jacoby too because that it a woman, you know, if you pick the wrong person, if your picker's broken, you know, and you pick that wrong person, she's gonna be like a B to you no matter what. You know, yeah. no matter what you do. You know, and I'm not going to even use that word, you know, but she's going to be a pain in your ass no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you could be you could be on your P's and Q's. You could be paying your child support on time. You could be picking up your kid, buying them clothes, all this stuff, you know. And no matter what you do, you could never um, do enough for her. Yeah. And and that's just that that's going to be that woman. 
And I've been blessed enough that with uh, my ex-wife, you know, we, I repaired a lot of the damages that I did and she didn't hold the grudge. She didn't hold the resentment or anything like that, you know? And so if I called her up right now and, and I'm, I'm very grateful for this. If I called her up right now and wanted to see my son, you know, she would, she would grant me that wish, you know, and she holds um, sole custody of my son. But no matter what, she's she's willing to have him talk to me. You know, she calls me and tells me um, what he's doing. You know, I get to talk to him on a daily basis if I want to. Um, I could pick him up whenever I want to. And that that was work on my part, um, trying to repair that damage and create okay. that, sure, that positive sure. relationship with her. So two, so two things here. The first thing that I want to ask you is being being someone who you can admit you intentionally screwed up or not intentionally screwed up. I'm sorry, but you screwed up. So you had to intentionally fix it. Mm -hmm. What's some of the golden nuggets you can drop for any um, fathers listening right now that's facing that situation. They screwed up um, mm -hmm. whether you want to admit it or not, but you're in that mm -hmm. boat, right? What's some of your nuggets that you can give them that you learned, like some principles that really could be used two, three of them or so one or two just, just from my experience um just starting out i never told her how to parent you know when because i was an absentee father for a few years and so when i got back involved in my son's life in her life i never uh tried to correct her on her parenting i never said that what she was doing was wrong i might have disagreed deep down inside and maybe talked to somebody else about it but i never once said and even to this day and it's been like five or six years that I've been like um, a part of my son's life, you know, I still don't correct her. And I think that 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 pays dividends because she'll come to me and ask me, you know, a quick question, uh, quick question, because that's some fire advice that you're giving right now. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe that's important? Like, why is that important? Because you weren't there, you know, and I think it's important for you to know, just because you're the father of that kid, that doesn't necessarily entitle you to make a decision. She's been running that household for a long time since, and I don't know, well, it, even if it's been a year or a couple of years or whatever, you weren't there. Yeah. So how are you gonna tell this woman what she needs to do when she's been taking care of this kid? Yeah. And it's only gonna, it's only gonna put a, a foul taste in her mouth whenever it comes out of your mouth that, hey, you're not doing this right. Yeah. You know, and so it's better just to keep your mouth shut. And as a byproduct of you keeping your mouth shut, eventually they're going to come back. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight, but eventually they're going to come back and they're going to ask for your opinion because yeah. you are the father of that kid. And so no matter what, she's going to eventually ask for your, your opinion on this or ask for, Hey, what do you think about this? You know? And so it eventually comes around. Yeah. I like that fire. And that's, and that's just from me speaking from my experience. That's what happened yeah. to me, you yeah. know? Um, another thing too is I, I pay child support. And so I ended up doing that right off the bat, you know? And that was part of my amends. I felt that I owed to her and my son is to pay that and not complain about it, you know? And I think a lot of men think, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And they're going to try to sit there and argue about it. Well, if she put child support or put uh, the judicial system, like you said, in your life, you kind of did something to to actually like bring that upon yourself, you know, yeah. so taking ownership and and not trying to deflect and put it on them 
like you did something, there's a consequence for that. So, and I don't, I'm I'm not going to say that I'm an advocate for child support because I'm, I'm probably the last person you want to, like, I've had a resentment for years on child support, you know, to be honest, but I still paid it, you know, I paid it and I'm still paying it. But as a byproduct of that, like my son and my, my ex-wife, we have a good relationship. That's deep. That's deep. So now you're the first person who I've heard say like it's okay to find a child support. Not saying that you didn't have any resentment, but you mm-hmm. know you you owe that to them to do that. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of brothers that um, you know they I hear their stories and everything. Like they they moved and they they left their their BMs in their child and they still complain. I'm like okay, but you know that's you have to you know daycare costs like five hundred a month or more. Mm-hmm. You yeah. only pay two hundred. Like you need to do something. Children and and, and to be to be real, that could have been one of those conversations we talked about, you know, when when we were uh, about to conceive a kid, mm-hmm. like, hey, what do you think about child support? And a lot of people aren't going to talk about that. But realistically, that shit happens. Yeah. yeah, people actually put child support on people. So maybe we need to actually bring that to the forefront and start talking about that. Yeah. Because a lot of stuff does need to be said so that you can understand who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And because uh, a lot of like my first BM said she would never put me on child support, but she ended up trying to do that. Luckily, I got joint custody, and I told y'all the stories. Um, should I tell them this, uh, the story now? Go ahead. Uh, well, shit, goddamn me. <laughs> um, well, she lived with me. I had to kick her out because she was to- being toxic. Unfortunately, I didn't want to do that because she had my child. But I had to because I wasn't going to deal with no toxic relationship and a woman trying to put her hands on me or antagonize me to put my hands on her. Um, and so she put me, I took, I put her out. She sent a letter saying that, um, you know, not sent me a letter, but the child support sent me a letter. And so I went up to the, the child support office and everything and pretty much put that on hold because they told us right before we, the meeting started, the fact that if we go to court and go to a judge, they had to put child support on hold because it only deals with the financial part. If we want to go over like custody, they had to put it on hold and wait for that um, that results so they can then go further. I told them straight up, and I love telling this story that I I told this is the first time I told her I'm going to fight for joint custody. Her job dro- dropped, and so the rest is history. I got joint custody, 50-50-223. I see my kids every two days or three days. Um, I, it's mandatory that I see them. She cannot move anywhere else and just up and leave and not tell me. She has to tell me, even if she go to Fort Worth, where I'm going for you, she has to tell me, like, okay, because he's uh, restricted to Tarrant, not Tarrant, Karen, but Greg County. And I do not pay child support because I take 50, like, I'm, I'm in my son's life 50% of the time. Yeah. Pretty much 100% of the time. Hey, so explain that to our listeners and myself too, personally. So okay. if you if you gain joint custody, then there's no, is it possible that there's no way that they can hit you for child support since you're, yes. you're, you're splitting it down it, 50-50? Yeah, it is um, possible. Now, if you make more than your spouse, either the woman or the man, you can have like, you can pay a difference. Mm. And that may like, at first I was going to pay like $60. I still didn't want to pay that because in my mind, I'm, we're doing 50-50. You know, two, two, threes, are like, we're going to see him every, like, pretty much every other day. Yeah. So, I, in my mind, even though I, I made more than her for a time, for a split time being, because uh, I was in college and he was up and down, 
Um, but even though I made more than her for a split time decision, like we, I was going to see my son 50, like we are having our son 50% of the time. So I was like, I don't need to pay any child support whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. And so I negotiated, negotiated that with my lawyer and we worked that out where I don't have to pay any child support because I have both my sons two days, three days, like, or a week, like. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, so rule of thumb there. Fight for child support first, or, or or fight for joint custody first before you go looking at child support and all of that. The rule of thumb is to choose. the The first thing is to choose your your who you you have a child with first. Wisely, yeah. be completely honest. I'm gonna put more ownership on that, fellas. Like, that's yeah. the first thing. Yeah, and fact. then like see see if you're gonna marry her or not, and then you know if you're not, shit, joint custody. Facts. Mm-hmm. Which brings which also. Then you should give up your rights and be a man about it. Give up your rights and leave. Yeah. Put put yourself on child support. Like be it. Like shit. Own up. Yeah, man. That that at, at the end of the day, though, I will say, man, a healthy co-parenting relationship is most definitely a relationship where two people are willing to communicate what's going on and understand that this is their arrangement, whether they're, um, you know, it didn't work out or how you know, however it goes. Like I, I really do. I think that that's, I think that's very important. Um, mm-hmm. Tony, I know earlier you were speaking about how a guy being um, economically disadvantaged or not necessarily, or not being economically sustainable can also affect them Mm -hmm. when it comes to um, feeling adequate in co-parenting. Yeah. Let me ask you, why do you think, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think, you know, um, what a man is making plays a role if they feel adequate or not when it comes to co-parenting um god i think uh i think it's just the stigma you know of uh of a man having to play that that provider role and and be the the so-called breadwinner you know and most of the time um and and let's just go ahead and throw this out there because we are we are faced with a crisis right now where some of these uh fathers are losing their jobs you know and some of these men are losing their jobs and so they're unemployed and so a lot of the times it makes us feel inferior that our wife makes more money than us or actually even has a job and we don't and so um what I think that does as as a man is it it lowers our our self esteem in a sense, and then therefore we we kind of produce a man that's not willing to uh, be a part of that kid's life, you know, um, maybe even going into some sort of depression and stuff like that. And I think that really screws with us. And I think the word I used was economic economic stability. You know, not being stable in your finances um produces um kind of a negative co-parent you know yeah and and i think uh just from my experience too you know um a lot of these fathers that have been incarcerated come out and they don't they don't have a good job you know so therefore they might not get involved with their 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 child because they have nothing to give and and i think that's wrong that's the wrong attitude to have because you still got to be there for that kid, whether you yeah. can actually buy him um, the toys he wants or whatever. But even just being there supporting that that kid um, means a lot, you know? Facts. Facts. No, most most certainly. Most certainly. Uh, man, it, you know, I, I will say I think that this is why it's, it's when we look at our K through 12 education, I think 
our public school has failed us in a sense because there was no emphasis on why having a skill set or um, what most people know it as a trade um, in their life to always be able to provide because man, I've being somebody that has two college degrees. Um, yes, I most definitely learned a lot from my education. So I, I don't, I do not want you to hear me saying that I didn't. Um, but I learned that the most valuable thing to have is an actual skill set, not a, not a, you know, a degree or a piece of paper on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, having a, um, me always being in sales, like I've pretty much been in sales my whole life. And so the ability to sell is a skill set because, it doesn't matter if I decide to, if I went broke 100%. So I could tell you right now, if you was asking me, okay, Joe, what would you do if you was broke? And you lost your ID, so you couldn't get a job. Like, like you were about to have to go through this whole whirlwind of, of you know, how you're going to produce money. Um, having the ability to sell, I would easily partner with someone that has a product of some sort and literally go on the offense for selling that product, making my commission, generating revenue, stacking up my bread, and then begin cashing out on the basic essential things that I need to put myself in a better position to generate even more revenue. But that comes as a byproduct of having a skill, right? Another skill to have is like cutting hair. And I kind of go into this, um, I'm going into this for the sake of saying, if you're in a position as a man right now where you've lost your job or you've lost your income, it is most definitely really important to say, okay, what skill can I learn right now within the next week or two weeks to put me in a position to provide. If you are a man who has not lost your job, it's still important for you to say that because who's to say the next time we have a pandemic or a market crash that you won't be losing your job, mm-hmm. um, you know, and to take it even a step further, we're fathers. So I think it's very important for us to teach our kids like, Hey, make sure you develop a skill, a skill that is transferable across different industries. The ability to sell that's transferable across every industry. Every industry is selling a product to a customer. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So um, yeah. those things are most definitely important. But man, I, I most certainly agree with you though, Tony. Yeah. Hey, so Jacoby, how do we, because this is the next thing. All right. So somebody that's actually lost their, their employment or somebody that's just getting out of prison, you know, and they have kids. Um, how, do we, how do we stay positive and still want to be that father for our child? Um. Man, that's, that's a deep question, man. Yeah, I'm sorry, but just shoot me while I don't you. Um, <laughs> for that one, it's just you know, know that your time is more valuable, and being there and supporting them is the best thing for them because a father, um, a fatherless child is like it's nothing. Speaking from example of myself, like he's not, I'm not nothing, but you know, you're a little empty, and those times that you could have been there is like is incomparable to like not having a father whatsoever. Um, just keep your head up and know that, you know, you're going to get something eventually. What's the question? Uh, uh, go ahead. So my question was, is how do you, how do you stay positive and, and still, still be a part of that kid's life, that child's yeah. life, even in like, cause a lot of these guys, they don't have a job or they're not able to keep a job or, or they come out um, of prison, you know, and right away, you know, you might not be um, equipped to get a job. Yeah. So you still have to be a part of that child's life. So how do you keep that positivity going and, and still want to be a part of? Because a lot of the times these guys just fall short and they're like, ah, I just, I'll just be on the back, the back end of yeah. this whole 
this whole co-parenting thing? I say just, you know, keep on trying and being in that child's life, you know? Because I just lost my job, unfortunately. And even though I, I'm, I'm not, like, affected by it too much heavily, because I'm blessed to have a strong mind, and I know that I already got, like, I'm going to see my sons, like, regardless. Um, I just know something's going to come, and I'm actually creating something for myself. Like, so either yeah, I'm going to get it, or it's going to come to me eventually because I'm putting the applications also while, you know, creating a, a program for kids while in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's important, man. I, I kind of think that's where it, I think that's where it goes. Like I'm, if, if I, if I, like my campaign is create the future you want. Don't go and apply for it. Like, like that's my campaign, like create the future you want. So if you was to come out of jail and, um, and I actually got family in the same position. They don't have kids. So th- they're actually in a, in somewhat of a better position than someone in that same position, but with kids, but you come out and it's like, man, whether you have kids or not, put your head down for six months and grind it out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, even if you can't, if you can't apply for a job, create the job, create the life that you want, take you, take you some clippers. Um, and this is, this is specifically, you know, talking to somebody getting out of jail, like you're saying, and they can't get a job right now. Take you some clippers, spend 30 hours, 50 hours. Well, I mean, if you don't got no job, I mean, you, you got time. So spend like 100 hours in, uh, in, in, within a week, just a great amount of hours, anywhere from 20 to, I don't know, like 40 hours, um, 100 hours over two weeks, however you want to put it. But a lot of hours just watching YouTube videos on how to do three to five simple haircuts and then come out into the marketplace and undercut everybody's prices. Big facts. Come out to the marketplace. Like I, I, you know, I, I tell my brother, I was like, man, imagine how much money you would make if you walked up to every person and you said, Hey, how much money you pay for your haircut? And when they say to you $20 or $25, you say, man, I could do better for 10. And if you want me to come to you, then I'll charge you 20. But if you come to me, it's $10. What you're going to do is you're going to half of the people you ask, they're going to say, okay, bet I'm going to come to you. Now you got to give them this fire haircut, but if you do, you just created you a lifelong customer. The best thing is, is that cutting hair is a, is a commodity. Like it, it's, it, it, it's, it's not going to go away. Everybody's yeah. going to always need a haircut. This is something that you, you, get the, you get the 50 to 100 clients that you need that's going to come back every week or every other week, and you're in the game. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? And it's, it's so I'm, I'm very much on the campaign of like, look, create, create the life that you want. And you might say, well, I don't want to be a barber. Well, you want to be a father that could provide for your family. And that starts with you producing money. So mm-hmm. if you can't get a job right now, create a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you never know when it's your time to get cut. Facts. I know, I know a lot of um, people, you know, in our culture, they say, go, get a, go to college and so you can get a job. The best thing that you can do in the field is create you a field that you can actually do the best that you can in life because you because you've been working for somebody else and not yourself and that's so it's so much better to work for yourself than to support somebody else's dream pretty much in life Mm -hmm. facts big facts big facts so we didn't we didn't really touch on like the person that's involved in like a romantic relationship with the um with the mother of their child too much you know we kind of barely did so do you think that that person has, um, has an easier um, ability to co-parent because no. they are? No. You don't think so? I, I don't think it. I don't. I think that 
given if it's a good relationship, then yeah, obvious, but mm-hmm. um, realistically, no. Like, because I mean, I know people that are in relationships and they're miserable. Mm. I know people that are their parents to a child living the same household with the person that they got a kid by and they're absolutely fucking miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my first one, like I wasn't dealing with that. Man, and that, that just goes back to what Jacoby was preaching, you know? <laughs> it really is. It, it has to do with you starting out, pick, picking the right woman, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and if you could do that, um, I think it, it, as a byproduct, you're going to have a positive co-parent. Big facts, man. You know? Big facts. That's all it is. That's all that matters. Yeah. Put and, God in it. Yeah. And, uh, and just talking about those things, a lot of the times, like I fell short of talking about all of this stuff that we're talking about on this episode, you know, like we did not discuss any of this stuff, you know, as far as how we were going to parent. And I think that's important. We got to drill that in to all those, those, uh, soon to be fathers really, um, more so than, than the fathers, but soon to be fathers, because these are some of the things that you want to talk about, like in your relationship right now. Thanks. And, I, and let me throw this out there too, because I know there's young cats and, and I know there's young cats that would say, well, how do I know that I'm picking the right one? Y'all are, y'all keep saying you got to pick the right one. You got to, how do I know I'm picking the right one? And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. And, and, and this is how I conceptualize it. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. The definition of picking the right one doesn't necessarily mean the one that you're going to marry. That's the goal. That's what's ideal. I think when we say, okay, picking the right one, we mean in a realistic, from, from a realistic point of view, picking someone who, who shares the same values and beliefs that you share. Mm-hmm. You, um, because it's hard to, it's hard to date someone and say, okay, I know I'm going to marry that person from the moment that you date. Cause if that was the case, we would all, you know, one hit wonder first person we ever date, we married, live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, well, if we're saying picking the right one, I think the standard for picking the right one is simply doing your best to pick somebody that has the same values and beliefs that you have. Not a doormat, not a yes man, but somebody that y'all have the same beliefs. Like, you know, even when you talk about um, spiritual beliefs and religion, you know, Mm -hmm. like what are the odds that someone who is a diehard rock solid Catholic is going to be happily married to someone that is diehard, rock solid Muslim. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's a great chance it's not gonna, not, not even because, yeah. not because they look at one another and they hate one another and all that, but because you're both gonna wanna raise your child up in a completely different church. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna work, or at least I don't think it will. You get what I'm saying? So it's, you know, and I, I know that's going to an area that makes it black and white, but I think that's kind of how it is when it comes to our values and our beliefs. Like we have to pick people that share the same values and beliefs. And although there might be slightly different perspectives, we are in the same, we're at least in the same boat, you mm-hmm. know? And, yeah, and- we're in the same ballpark. And I think we got to put it out of our heads that we're going to be able to change somebody too. Yeah. Cause a lot of the times we go into these relationships and we're like, well, but she's fine though, you know. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna let that slide, and that's that's where it all gets screwed, you know. Because mm-hmm. if if you let that slide, then later on that's gonna annoy the hell out of you, you know. Right. So it, hey, it don't matter how fine she is, you know. That's it's just it is what it is. Stay firm, be disciplined, ask questions, and get to know a person 
and always remember to separate a wife who's a, a, a woman that's a wife from a concubine. I want to put that again. I want to say that again. Always separate a woman that's a wife that's a concubine or a concubine so that you know who you're dealing with and be disciplined and, you know, wear rubber or pull out. <laughs> hey. Please. <laughs> Hey, I like I like how Jacoby be throwing that word concubine around though. <laughs> so, hey man, we got listeners sometimes, and the concubine's the hoe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, at the end of the day, and, and and this is this is the reality we're having the conversations that we didn't have in school that truthfully needed to be had. So it's most definitely a conversation worth having. I think that we did this podcast episode and this particular topic in series justice. Um, so. I think that's I think that's it for the day. I think that's it for the day. On that note, we'll see y'all next Friday. Yeah, all right, y'all have a nice one. Shout out to everyone who's been listening. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Ready for it. Ready for it. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Don't know where it's gonna take me, but I'm.